Welcome back, everybody, to the Real Madrid podcast. Now, don't forget, you can catch up with all of the previous episodes of this podcast over at the website, uh, www.realmadridpodcast.com, where you can also leave your views and opinions by recording your own messages. Uh, the best of those we will play out in future episodes. Now, coming up today, as well as the news, we'll cross the Atlantic for a chat about all things Madrid with one of American sports television's leading soccer commentators, a man who has been providing expert calling and analysis on the Liga over the years for the likes of Fox Sports, ESPN, and currently be in sport. He is, of course, a Phil Shane. First up, though, today, Zidane has just concluded his press conference ahead of the weekend kickoff against Levante. A few of the topics covered on Eden Hazard, he said... We really want to see Hazard, but we must proceed very carefully with him. He's been out for three weeks. There's a lot of pressure and expectation. He is prepared, but I will decide how much he plays at the weekend. Remember, we have seven games coming up in 21 days. We must be calm. Asked if he has uh, any confidence in Vinicius. Uh, he said simply, listen, stop saying this. He's a good player. I have full confidence in him. I will count on him. He is just 19 years of age. He is the future. Everything takes time. On the Gareth Bale fallout and the current truce, he said, look, we are all guilty of good and bad. We are all in the same boat. He's happy and I'm happy. Now, let's take a quick look at the weekend's opponents in the midday kickoff tomorrow. Levante, over the last seven seasons now, Madrid have won this fixture ten times, but there have been the odd upsets along the way, uh, most notably October of last year when they won 2-1 at Bernabeu after they took a 2-0 lead via Morales and Roger in 13 minutes before Marcelo pulled one back on 72. Now, Madrid racked up 33 goal attempts in that game, but they couldn't break down a very stubborn Levante resistance. Now, as for survivors, there should actually be tomorrow only five in the lineup who actually started that game for Real Madrid. Now, as for Levante, they've had a great start to this season, recovering from a day one loss to Alaves to beat Villarreal and Valladolid. Both games, though, at home. And they bizarrely have created the same number of goal attempts in every game this season, 16 in each. Uh, Roger with two is the leading goal scorer so far this season. Morales and Leon with the other goals. But do keep an eye out on the number 16, Ruben Rokina, who plays on the right flank. Now, he could cause Marcelo, if he's playing in that position opposite him, a whole host of potential problems with his wing play. He isn't afraid to shoot either. He's averaging just under five goal attempts in every game this season. And Levante, remember, do start the day in fourth place, one place above Real Madrid. And moving on to the current situation surrounding the injuries, we know there are potentially four returnees tomorrow, but the injuries that seem to be plaguing Madrid have struck again, of course. No sooner had Jovic been ruled out than Luka Modric has a muscle injury in his right leg following Croatia's game against Azerbaijan. Now, what has also been noted as well is this is the eighth muscle injury suffered already this season. And this continues to raise concerns about the training regime of the Frenchman Gregory Dupont. Modric is out this weekend and rated extremely doubtful for PSG next week. 
uh, as we said, good news, potential returnees do include uh, James Rodriguez and Eden Hazard. Brahim Diaz is also back in contention after his second muscle injury of this season. Now, let's just go back to James Rodriguez for a moment, who we said is back from injury and should feature again this week. Zidane has been very open in his admiration this week for the way in which he has applied himself over the course of the summer and in the opening games of this season in which he's been involved. His overall attitude, it said, has been exemplary. And as far as Zidane is concerned, everything that went before is now in the past. And that the James Rodriguez of 2019-2020 is almost akin to a new signing. All he needs to do is maintain the level of aptitude and application. Uh, When asked about his relationship with Zidane this week, the Colombian said, we're fine, he's very happy. Well, the transfer window may well be firmly shut, but it doesn't stop the constant flow of transfer rumour and speculation from flowing through the media. Three games into the season only, and already the summer signing Luka Jovic is already being written off by some, and new targets being identified as replacements. Nobody knew. Uh, Roberto Firmino, Sane and Salah all finding themselves linked with potential summer moves next season. So too, Jaden Sancho, his rise to superstardom is showing no signs of slowing down. Madrid's interest is known in the player. Uh, So is Dortmund's 160 million euro asking price. And it could be the case of an either-or with him and Mbappe, unless there is a sale or two made to boost the finances available. Rumours also circulating today that Real Madrid have an agreement with Chelsea for the signing of N'Golo Kante next summer. It's going to be a big few days for Eder Militao, who will be making his Champions League debut for Real Madrid against PSG next week, as Ramos and Nacho are both unavailable. Now, Militao had a mixed time in Brazil's national team. He was involved in a mistake that led to Peru's goal in that 1-0 defeat that was scored by Luis Abram. Uh, he played alongside Marquinhos at the back. There was also, of course, the day before Vinicius, who came on for Richarlison in the final 15 minutes. There were a few brief flashes of inspiration, but really not enough time for him to have any significant effect. Now, we can't seem to keep Jose Mourinho's face or his views out of the news. He was on Portuguese television talking about Real Madrid, remembering it, as he said, as being the best experience of his career because, he added, of what I learned as a coach and a man. He added, we had to prevent Barcelona from crushing us. Uh, That's why the Mestalla Cup final was the most important game. Uh, From then on, nothing was the same. We won the league and the Super Cup, but there was simply nothing quite like that cup final. Now, the red carpet has been rolled out this week as Sergio Ramos has been out promoting his own documentary. And he's been speaking about, amongst other things, Gareth Bale. Now, in the past, there have been clear divisions of opinion in the dressing room about Gareth Bale and his alleged lack of involvement on social levels with teammates and some of his performances on field as well. But Ramos wasn't in any mood to court controversy or give media any fuel for more lure headlines he said about Bale I think that he is a great player and he has been really important for this club over the course of the last few years he's been here for a long time many things are said in the press some are true some are not 
And what he does in his personal life is very much up to him. We're free to do what we want in our own free time. That is, of course, in reference to Bale's obsession, of course, with uh, golf. Now, staying on the subject of the documentary, also appearing on the red carpet were Mr. and Mrs. Zidane, and uh, they were asked what their secret to a lasting, happy marriage was, to which he replied, love and love. We love each other very much, and that's it. We want to be together all of our lives. He did add, though, to keep the fires burning, that he must do many things, and yes, he does try to be a romantic man. Well, there's a side to Zidane you perhaps didn't know existed. And so then to today's guests. Now, if you're listening in the USA, which I know many of you are, then you'll be no stranger to the voice of one of US sports television's best commentators, Phil Shane, of course. Now, we caught up with each other earlier on in the week to talk about the current situation at Real Madrid, and I started by asking him if he thought that Zidane was currently happy in his role, or whether he thought that he might privately at least be regretting his decision to return. One thing I think that really jumps out in regards to this is I think he was sitting around waiting for Juventus. And then it didn't look like that was going to open up. Florentino promises him the moon and that he will have control over the moon. Um, and, and he steps back in only to then see Juventus open up. And then to realize Florentino was going to keep the moon in his pocket for a while longer. So um, if you believe the reports, if you believe the rumors, if you believe your eyes, uh, I have a feeling that Zinedine Zidane is, I guess, having a little bit of buyer's remorse here. Yeah, it's funny you should say, if, if you look at his body language, he he doesn't look a happy man, not from where we're sat. No, there's it's a more mature Zidane as a manager from the first time around. Um, I, I think that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, I think in some ways... The, the magic has gone, and now it's down to work. And he's actually proven to be quite a good worker. Uh, even in his playing days, maybe it's just me, um, and not quite to the level of an Iniesta, if you understand. But yeah, yeah, yeah. he was one of those guys that you had to actually focus in on to truly see what he was capable of. Because a lot of, uh, he, he wasn't as flamboyant as uh, Ronaldinho. He wasn't as flashy as a Messi might be. A lot of his stuff was just so smooth, you almost missed it if you blinked. Um, and then when you watch it on the replay in slow motion, you're going, wait, how did I not see that? Um, so in some ways, he was a master of the processes as a player and if you are going to be a manager for the long term, you have to do that as well. It is work. It's not just going out there, patting people on the back and rolling the ball out to, to midfield. Uh, you have to you have to manage. That's why they call it that. And in some ways, as you alluded to earlier, the situation with Gareth Bale and James Rodriguez uh, is a perfect example of that. Made what is what clear. is your take on on that situation with Bell? I mean, it's clear, and we've had this in black and white, uh, that there is no real relationship between the two of them. Bell has since been quoted as saying, "Look, 
uh, there will be turbulences ahead. But to be fair to Bale, I mean, he was on the brink of exit until Madrid decided no. So they didn't want him to stay, yet they didn't want him to go either. Um, how long do you think that this, uh, this uneasy truce uh, with Bale and Zidane and maybe Perez, how long can it continue? Well, I think it can continue quite a while. Um, more Bale than Hamas, but I think even Hamas in his time at, at in Munich probably matured as a person, as a player, uh, as an adult. And with Gareth Bale, he's always been mature. I mean, think about this. One of the biggest complaints people have is he goes to bed too early and he plays golf. Nowadays, <laughs> in the modern world of sports, I would, especially if you're paying attention to what's going on here in the NFL on this side of the pond, I think people would take um, early early sleepers and golfers over some of the other possibilities out there. So he is mature. He is there. I think it could go on for quite some time. Uh, Zidane made it quite obvious. And in some ways, it had to do with that fishing expedition for Pogba. Even Real Madrid, who do have money they could burn to standard financial fair play. When you start to talk about those top 10, top five players out there, from a marketability perspective as well as a talent perspective, especially ones that are young enough to the point where they probably even haven't hit their prime yet. You're talking big money. So he knew he needed to try and uh, stock up the tank. And he was hoping to sell off Hamas, hoping to sell off uh, Bale, probably hoping to get rid of Isco and Modric, et cetera, to try and clear the deck, to bring new players in, to build the next generation of Real Madrid. Mm -hmm. uh, but there are two things out there. There are very few teams that have the pockets deep enough. You're talking a handful, and you probably have a finger or two left over that can afford a Gareth Bale, let alone a uh, Hamas Rodriguez, let alone a Gareth Bale. Uh, plus the fact everyone knew he wanted to get rid of him. He made that quite obvious. So I think people were expecting them to blink. The other wild card in the mix is the first time around, Zidane somehow convinced Florentino not to spend money, which is amazing. Uh, but you think back to the Galacticos and into that next generation, Florentino has the reputation of looking for the next flashy thing and trying to find a way to get it in his menagerie. Thomas was one right after the World Cup, didn't really work out. Gareth Bale was his Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, Thibaut Courtois, similar situation. These are players that were bought in under Florentino. Um, Cristiano Ronaldo was not. So I think he probably had less of a problem seeing Cristiano go than Gareth Bale because the fact that Bale goes, and I think in some ways he's been victimized, he's actually been quite successful compared to the other $100 million players uh, around the world of soccer. He's been quite successful at Real Madrid. But for Florentino Perez, that would almost be admitting failure. So it would have to take a stratospheric bid, uh, I think, to allow Florentino and his ego to allow Gareth Bale to go. China was apparently willing to throw that money out there, uh, but the family of Gareth Bale wasn't too keen on spending all of that time in the Far East mm -hmm. away from, uh, from what they're used to and accustomed to. So uh, I have a feeling that unless a Manchester United um, I don't think it'll be Spurs unless maybe there's some loan option. But unless a Manchester United or a PSG, I was thinking Bayern Munich would be perfect, but somehow they used the poker's bluff to sneak in a Philippe Coutinho. Um, but there's 
two, three clubs that might step forward. Uh, as far as Bale goes, I don't know if he's too happy about this. He is getting down to work, but we saw recently, most recently, a um, couple of stellar plays, and then the frustration hit, and he gets the red card. So yeah, yeah. he might be saying that he is willing to go through this for the long haul and realizing it will be bumpy at times, but you can also see he's not a happy camper either. Yeah, it's funny because also there's uh, there's been plenty of quotes from Sergio Ramos in the in the press as well in the last what 12 16 hours uh, praising uh, Gareth Bale and there haven't been too many of these on the playing side so it seems we've got this leveling off in opinion of uh, of Zidane and the fact that he's going to have to continue working with this player and Ramos is now saying listen he's been a great player uh, and equally listen what he does off the field is is, in, is entirely um, his own choice he can play as much golf as he wants we're free to do what we want so it appears that there's a changing mood not only with the coach but with the players as well or some or of them or perhaps the fact that this is more of a team perhaps even arguably than Barcelona mm. uh, especially into the Valverde uh, through the Enrique into the Valverde era because you look at what's going on with Marcelo and Sergio Ramos, and they are both on the wrong side of 30. Uh, they've been victimized recently. Perhaps it's due to tactic systems. Perhaps it's due to not having a Kaylor Navas behind them to sweep things clear. Perhaps it's uh, the fact that Sergio Ramos, just like Carlos Puyol before him, thinking he could do things, ends up getting there a quarter step late and being victimized. But we've seen what's happened with Marcelo. Since the return of Zidane, he seems to be in better shape, seems to have more confidence, knowing that his boss has confidence in him. Similar story to Sergio Ramos, who, who in recent years has started a little wobbly, only to, to strengthen and, and bring back uh, his best as the season progresses. But it's what you're talking about here, Tim, that it are the intangibles. He is the epitome of a captain, especially in the modern game. He will stand up to Florentino Perez. He will stand up to the managers. He will make uh, his and the dressing room's opinions public if he thinks it needs to be done. But at the same point, he will find a way to, to welcome back with a hug or calm with a pat on the back things that are going on with a bail or a novice, etc. Yeah, yeah. uh, he might make mistakes. He might get victimized as he has. But he did with that, games, that mistake, uh, that, that mistake in the last game. In that, yeah. in, in the last game, his performance after the after the error was was quite incredible to watch him. And he was he was on a mission to atone for the error uh, that led to the goal. But just moving on from there, and you by mentioned, the way, also just to finish that yeah, thought, the game before uh, it was one of the best games I've seen him have in years at six seven breakaways single handedly. So absolutely, I agree with you. You mentioned uh, Marcelo, who has worked tirelessly throughout the uh, the course of the summer, wants to get back not only into the first team, wants to regain his form, wants to get back into the uh, Brazilian national team. However, what we saw uh, just a couple of weeks ago in that last game was the appearance of Fernand Mendy, who was, quite frankly, uh, and I will use a quote that I saw on a few occasions from some Real Madrid fans saying, this guy is a beast. <laughs> and it, we thought Regulon might be a challenger, and I think yeah. what we saw from Regulon last year uh, proved that he could be more than a serviceable left back. 
and perhaps if Marcelo had not improved, take over that position and do quite well. Uh, probably better than, say, flipping the coin uh, Sergio Roberto has, has done filling in at that right-back spot for Barcelona. Uh, I think Reguilon more of a natural flank player uh, and look quite good. But I agree with you. And remember, this is a better Marcelo this year than we saw last year. Uh, he can still be victimized. He still relies on cover from a Casemiro and a, and a Ramos that isn't always there. Uh, but with Ferlan Mendy, you saw someone that has the ability to, to control his zone defensively, get beaten, recover, and still be a pest, and then still make a 50, 60-yard sprint down the other end uh, and have the capacity to, to maintain uh, the technique to dribble past or move past the intelligence to make the right pass. Uh, again, one game against so-so opposition uh, does not a career make, but it shows one of the reasons why they went out and got him. And I still think that that position, for the most part, is going to be Marcelo's. Uh, Zinedine Zidane has proven he is loyal, if nothing else. Uh, but as things progress, or should Marcelo get injured, uh, it would be an opportunity, I think, for the inevitable at this point. Um, mm. Now, at the same point, we saw similar things earlier in his career, say from a Serge Aurier uh, at other clubs, including PSG and through. But uh, there were personality problems, uh, maybe a little recklessness. We don't know what is, I guess, under the hood for Mendy, but it's going to be very interesting to watch. And I, I think that uh, Real Madrid got themselves a good one. Uh, Eden Hazard, now we know he's been recovering from injury. There's been a tremendous amount of scrutiny on him in the media over the last six or seven weeks covering the the tours the friendly games you think he's surprised at the level of that scrutiny and indeed some of the criticism that has come his way primarily due to his physical conditioning it has to be said not yet emphasis on the yet um my son is a chelsea fan i have no idea what i did wrong in life uh, so I've been quite focused on Aiden Hazard and hearing every little exploit, good and bad, over the years. Uh, the reputation of kind of being an on-again, off-again player. Uh, seeming to stabilize a bit, both for club and country. Last year, you can easily see why he was attractive um, to a Real Madrid, and you can see why he would be attracted too. However, for all of the criticism the Chelsea fans have, um, English fans in general, British fans in general, tend to be a little bit more loyal and a little bit more patient. Um, I don't think he has any idea what he's in store for. I would imagine there will be uh, maybe a bump or two at the beginning. He'll get a bit of a grace period as an adjustment. I think he will have a great stretch, then maybe a soft stretch, and then come back again. But once the fans have seen... Aiden Hazard at his best and Aiden Hazard at his worst. The second half of the season, they're going to be a little bit more demanding and a lot more critical. I mean, it's not over here. I don't know if you guys are aware. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles fans uh, have a rather sour reputation. Uh, they would boo Mother Teresa and Santa Claus. <laughs> um, but over in Real Madrid, they'll start whistling. They'll pull out the hankies against... Uh, 
club legends. I mean, we saw what happened with Raul. We saw what happened with Casillas. Uh, we've seen what, what happens uh, no matter how long or how much a player has done for Real Madrid, uh, that Aiden Hazard is going to get a rude awakening. And this is the real test. Throughout his Belgium career, throughout his Chelsea career, he has been protected. He has had uh, the management behind him. He's had his boss behind him. He's had his team around him, supporting him. And in many ways, the, most of the Chelsea fans have supported him as well. Uh, Real Madrid, when you're center stage under the glare of that spotlight, you're all alone. Just, uh, just again, take a look at Gareth Bale. We never saw the emotional explosions when he was with Spurs uh, that we see now because he realizes what's demanding of him. He demands that then of himself. And I actually think that Gareth Bale, for all the flaws, actually has a, uh, a, a spine, a good personality, the bottle inside. I'm not sure what Aiden Hazard has inside, but we're going to find out, if not this year, by next. Well, what chance does that give, then, to the likes of uh, Luka Jovic? I mean, he's 21 years of age. Now, he obviously wasn't ready for the immediate pressure to deliver. I mean, it was quite clear that the the fans, the moment they, they saw that uh, Real Madrid had acquired him, they were looking back at this fantastic season he had in Bundesliga, which is a good, tough league. Uh, and they just thought that um, the moment he steps out on the pitch, the goals will flow, and that's that. But he, he's clearly looking a little uncomfortable, um, and it's clearly going to take him time as well, isn't it, to, to settle into life. That might be more of a, a normal transition. He seems to be uh, more of a steady character. Uh, but you're right, there is a transition. His success in Germany was based almost in a trident where you had three players practically having career years at the same point. So if you're the opposition, you had no idea what was going on and where it was going to come from. Uh, at Real Madrid, as much as they like to uh, think about the departure of Kareem Benzema, they can't afford to do that. He is the only consistently reliable goal scorer that they have uh, in some ways, even more than Cristiano, he he uh, stepped back from his personal goals when Cristiano was there, played a little bit more provider, was willing and able to flow out to the flanks and allow Cristiano to slide to the inside. I think we'll see perhaps a little bit of that with Jovic as well as he gets a little bit more accustomed. Why um, is it, do you think... And perhaps, yeah, sorry, if Bale, perhaps if Bale continues his good run... Um, we will get a little bit of a feel for that trident uh, that Jovic might be able to find the pockets for. The last game they tried to, they actually did switch. Zidane went away uh, from the, the standard formation and tried to go with a, with a, a twin towers, if you will, a dynamic duo up front uh, pairing Benzema and Jovic, and it didn't really work. It wasn't that they were getting into each other's way, but they weren't reading the game the same way. There wasn't the, the one playing off the other, one drawing the attention, leaving the other one open. Um, I think this, though, is just more of a standard transition of a good young player going to a great team and trying to figure out how he fits in. Uh, I haven't seen any of the psychological uh, blow-ups that we might have seen from some of the other players. I haven't seen him withdraw into a shell. 
but the next few games will probably get a better idea of what he thinks and perhaps even more importantly, what Zidane thinks. It's interesting because there was a quote from Perez in the media today saying that, look, we've been trying to get Lewandowski for the past two years, but Bayern Munich simply would not sell. So, you know, we've had to uh, we've had to move on. But that brings us on to another uh, favorite topic, certainly of Perez, Vinicius. Uh, PSG wanted him, others wanted him in the summer. Zidane would happily have sold him, but Perez put his foot down. He isn't for sale. How happy is he going to be at this very reduced role that he will have this season when Hazard and everybody else is fully fit and available? Oh, absolutely. That was a huge concern. Um, and especially even when they started whispering about Neymar's name around, maybe that was just to try and make Barcelona pay more. But regardless, as you point out, I mean, you think Brahim Diaz, you think Rodrigo, other young players. I, I think that just as I thought Barcelona uh, would be better without Neymar, allowing the likes of, uh, of Diaz to step forward and Ansu Fati to, to step in to try and, I guess, reconnect with La Masia. Uh, I think uh, La Masia, I think you take a look at, at Real Madrid and they didn't produce these players themselves, but they got very good young players who need to have a chance to get out there in some of the, be it a Copa del Rey game or a game against Levante and the like, um, that they need to get significant minutes there so they're ready when they're counted upon. Uh, in regards to what's been going on with Vinicius, he gets his debut cap with Brazil, looked okay uh, uh, in limited minutes for a Brazil that actually has to consider this past window a bit of a disappointment. Um, he's seen his time nipped away a bit, although he seems to be handling it well. Um, perhaps it was the situation with Bale. Uh, perhaps it's knowing that Hazard is coming. And maybe it's also, as I said, it's uh, a little bit of the maturity of Zidane from the first time around. We're seeing a little bit more flexibility of the outside players going left and right. Um, and Vinicius getting put out on that right flank and handling it well, even to the point of saying, I know it's my weak spot, but I want to play there. Even for Brazil, I want to play there. I want to learn how to play on both flanks so I can be a, a more dangerous and better player. So I think even as a youngster, He's handling uh, this difficult situation well, but there's got to be production. Otherwise, I agree with you 100%. Um, there was even some talk, maybe not of selling him to PSG, but maybe loaning him uh, to one of the lesser lights in, in the La Liga to uh, try and get him some playing time. But that was not to be either. So he's going to have to take advantage. I mean, I guess the one good thing is uh, that Hazard is injured. Bale constantly is injured. So uh, he probably will get some time on rather short notice, but uh, I think it would have been a huge mistake to let him go. I think someone like Ibrahim Diaz, who's seen some flashes here or there, and he seems like a good quality player that has a few tricks up his sleeve uh, from what we've seen from Rodrigo uh, back in Brazil, very similar. But Vinicius, I, I don't think we've even come close to scratching the surface because mm. he tends to lean towards his favorite moves, and again, going to the right, that'll maybe make him break out of the shell a little bit, but that burst down towards the line, cut back to his right, um, defenses know that's coming. But he does have other abilities that we have seen. 
He's not a Neymar yet. He's not a Messi yet, but he is one of those special players that you can see. And I think discarding him this early in his career would be a mistake. Uh, there's a few that think that letting Kubo go out on loan was a bit of a mistake. And from what they've seen and from what people are saying, this is a tremendous talent in the making. Um, from what I have seen, um, he looks good. He looks confident. He looks more mature than a teenager. However, I think he will get a lot more time away from Real Madrid than he would in uh, in Benzema's shadow. Uh, you'd probably know the statistics better than I, but I, I seem to recall something like of the last 22 goals or something Real Madrid has scored since Zidane came back. Benzema has scored half of them. Yeah, um, that's true. He's not going anywhere. <laughs> and uh, I, I think that Kubo uh, needs that, that playing time that he will get in Malaga, but he's not going to get here. Why, why is it, do you think, that uh, Real Madrid have had so much trouble in buying a striker who has a confirmed reputation with an ability to score goals at the top level? They've been linked with just about everybody. They have got more money than Croesus to actually spend <laughs> on players, yet everything seems to have slipped through their fingers. It's the one position that they seemingly cannot tie down. And Benzema, you're absolutely right, we know the stats on Benzema, but he isn't getting any younger. Um, and yet we've had Icardi, we've seen Dybala, there was talk of Cavani, there was Lewandowski, there was a momentary conversation surrounding Harry Kane, of course, as well. Why is it, do you think, that they cannot tie down an established striker? Partly because if you have one, you don't want to let him go, especially at that level, um, especially to someone that you might be competing against uh, for a European title. So Harry Kane is one of those ones I think would have been a perfect fit. Lewandowski, I know there's been a few hiccups internationally, but for, for Bayern, he's been almost perfect. Um, I think they are looking for someone in that kind of closer role, which would be maybe a Benzema who tends to stick to the center channels a bit more, tends to be more north-south than east-west to try and clean things up and maybe draw some attention. The one that I thought that was going to happen would be the transition of Benzema out and CR7 to CR9, uh, basically trying to convince Cristiano Ronaldo to take that center-forward role, and I think they probably could have gotten two or three years from that. But... Um, even at Juventus, uh, he likes to be more out wide. And uh, they're trying to move Mandzukic, another guy who was briefly rumored for a Real Madrid arrival. Uh, so I would tend to agree that it's been difficult, but at that level, for that caliber type of player, it's never going to be easy. Uh, the Lewandowski one is a little bit of a surprise. I think that he might have been tempted early, maybe thought that they were uh, using him uh, as a poker chip, and then when they came calling later, just didn't really get interested at all. Plus, also, he seems to have found quite a comfortable zone uh, at, in the Bundesliga, and maybe at this stage of his career realized uh, he could only go down in stature if he went to Real Madrid, uh, or that the odds would be stacked against him. For Nicardi, might have been more of a poker chip than anything. Again, trying to uh, to find a way to to either make someone pay more 
to distract someone else and try and sneak in another transfer under the radar. Do you think uh, his wife had any uh, was was part of the issue there as well? I mean, we uh, we we know what the uh, the potential is for for strife there. Oh, absolutely, and that's one of the reasons I was kind of surprised PSG ended up making the move, considering all the issues they had with Rabio and his mother. Uh, but maybe they figured, hey, we dealt with Rabio's mom, we can deal with Icardi's wife. Uh, they might not know what they bit <laughs> off, but uh, for, for Icardi like also, it. he's almost the anti-Benzema in the fact that al almost every touch he takes is in the box. And almost every ball that comes to him, he's going to try and find a way to shoot. For Benzema, he'll migrate left and right, and you're, maybe you're complaining that he's not in the box enough. Uh, he'll be in the box and make three or four passes, and you're saying he's not shooting enough, and still somehow he ends up with a game-winning goal. I don't think Benzema has ever found a way to truly satisfy the Real Madrid fans, but at the same point, he has found a way not to let that bother him. Uh, I am surprised. Which is one of the things yeah. that may be in the back of Real Madrid's head. They're thinking, we got to get rid of Benzema. Well, okay, maybe we don't. So instead of adding another zero to some of these offers, they go, you know what, we'll just wait. And they've been waiting for a good five or six years. Yeah, I, was, I have to say, actually, I was surprised. Whenever you have a forward with the reputation for scoring goals in Serie A uh, that Icardi had, and it was uh, 111 goals mm -hmm. in 188 games, that is something that you would like in your team. The potential would be frightening, especially if you consider the support cast that Madrid have got. But moving on from there, uh, Militao, uh, going to be making his debut, it said, uh, next week against uh, against PSG. He was involved with the Brazilian team in that game against Peru uh, yesterday. I see they noted as well that he was involved in the mistake that led to the goal. But he had um, a superb uh, season last season in Portugal. Uh, lesser quality of football, yes, as we know. Are you looking forward to, to seeing him in the Madrid shirt at last? And how long is he going to have to wait before he gets his big break? Um, probably quite a bit. I saw, I actually did that game against Peru, and he had some good moments um, paired with Marquinhos. Uh, but you can still see some nerves out there. He did get victimized on the goal. Uh, there were a few other times where he just didn't quite seem to play with the confidence of a Marquinhos or the recovery ability of, uh, of a Varane, who is the player, in my mind, that he is going to be targeting to replace. Uh, a year or two ago, I could see that happening. Varane just seemed to, I don't know if he lost a, a half a step or maybe the mentality wasn't quite there that he didn't anticipate uh, as quickly as he did in his younger days. But whatever it was, he seems to be back to his, his fine form this year, and he needs to be, considering the fact that Sergio Ramos is still going to be aggressive, is still going to gamble, uh, but at this stage of his career is probably going to lose a few more hands than he used to, which means you need a fast player next to him to cover and, all, and sweep things up. I still think, as we kind of talked about earlier, what Ramos brings in the intangible sector of the game. Um, it's Ramos time. Also, uh, we haven't seen that in a year or two, but uh, the capability, the possibility is still there, even on the offensive side uh, of late game heroics. We know he's capable of that. And in all honesty, at this point, Eddie Militao, loaded with potential, seems to be a good, calm, mature player, 
but he's not going to push Ramos to the side anytime soon. And the way Varan is playing, it's going to be spot starts or maybe filling in for a brief injury here or there, which is not a bad transition. Um, mm. uh, again, you take a look at the stratosphere that Real Madrid plays in, especially considering the emergence of Atletico, uh, the reemergence of this new Atletico this year, uh, and with the quest to finally dethrone Barcelona uh, after the last two embarrassments. Uh, Real Madrid, both in Europe and in Spain, are going to need to keep the pedal to the metal. So there's going to be spot time here or there, but there can't be time to really bleed someone in on the defensive side, considering all of the criticism that's thrown at them and the, the, the weaknesses that they do have, especially, again, no Kaylor Navas anymore. And I've seen Adiola. He's a similar type player, but I don't know if he has that personality that Kaylor had to be able to shrug off uh, mistakes or, yeah. or mishaps. Uh, and with Thibaut Courtois, credit to him. I think he's getting a little bit better in his aggressiveness and his ability and willingness to come off the line here or there. But uh, he is a reaction keeper. He's not an action keeper. And for Real Madrid, even two or three years ago, when these players were younger, fitter, uh, and, and more mobile and versatile, uh, you still needed a keeper like Casillas in his prime, like Navas, to come in and sweep things up. Uh, and I, I think with, with Courtois, again, a Florentino signing, a Florentino ego signing, um, I think it's something that might have been the one situation where Florentino told Zidane, this is the decision that has to be made. Everything else you can choose. But uh, Courtois limits this Real Madrid. As good as he is, I don't think he fits in. Um, so with that in mind, uh, I have a feeling that they'll try and stick a little bit more with the stayed and true and, and limit mistakes. And I think Eder Militao is going to have to bide his time and then try and take advantage of it when it finally does come. Lastly, I just want to touch on the the systems. Now, we've had 17-odd players used. We've had three systems in the games. We had the 4-4-2 uh, the against uh, Villarreal. We had the 4-1-4-1 against Valladolid, uh, with Casemiro playing the holding role, Benzema the lone forward up front. Isco played there. Uh, so too did James. And then in the game against Celta Vigo, we had the 4-3-3. The does Zidane know what his best team is and the system that suits that team? I think the answer is yes, but he wants to see if there's a better way to move that Rubik's Cube around. Um, in, in fact, if you go back, especially prior to, uh, to the transfer window where a couple players might have moved, but if you go back to the start of the season, partly due to, well, largely due to the Hazard injury, there were no changes. I mean, it was, uh, with Hamas and Bale even slotting in, if anything, going backwards. But the uh, the spark that Ferlan Mendy showed maybe opens the door for a little bit of a change there. Uh, what we've seen from uh, the willingness, I guess, to sit cross uh, occasionally, Modric maybe even a little bit more, uh, maybe opens the door elsewhere. The willingness to slide Vinicius over to the right and see what he has to do. Now we'll find out what happens with Rodrigo now that he can slide in uh, due to the, the citizenship issues. Um, I think in many ways the best Real Madrid 
in Zinedine Zidane's mind is pretty much the Real Madrid he left a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, and he's trying to find ways to spice it up. Uh, and really, other than Mondi, I don't think that anyone has really stepped to the fore yet. We talked about Jovic. Uh, I think he's, he's enamored with Lucas Vazquez. He's enamored uh, a little less, but still loves Isco. He'll find ways to get those two players out there when he can. So I think it even goes perhaps even a bit deeper than 11 deep. I think in many ways his top 12 or 13 is pretty much rock solid, and very few of the newcomers have forced their way in. They are creating a lot. I mean, if you look at the the season stats so far, uh, 18.7 shots per game, six different players with one assist each this season. Um, if you don't pay too much attention to the average possession, because they've had two red cards, which have obviously affected that. Uh, the early season statistical analysis of this team uh, looks good. Um, you know, Benzema with a couple of goals, Bale with a couple of goals, Cruz is on the score sheet, Vasquez is on the score sheet. Uh, but the ability of others to serve up assists and get involved in goal scoring activities is also a bit of a bonus. Oh, absolutely. And, well, uh, got into a little bit of it uh, earlier. I should have probably waited till the transfer window uh, with Rodney Marsh, uh, who I work with with Sirius XM satellite radio over here. Uh, yeah, yeah. Kind of like a, a talk soccer sport, talk football uh, over in the United States and Canada, where at the end of last season, I saw the weakness of Barcelona. I saw the weakness of Real Madrid and I saw the, the demolition of Atletico Madrid. And the thought crossed my mind. There is the very outside possibility uh, that someone outside of those three can sneak in and grab the title. Uh, and the way it even came out is there was a possibility for each of those three giants to finish outside the top four. Now, I'm not saying it's going to happen. The moves that were made in the transfer window uh, seem to have uh, put paid to that thought. I think Barcelona still trying to to find a spark to catch alive. I think Real Madrid trying to find its footing. And Atletico Madrid has been phenomenal. Um, and the, the point I would be little concerned with is you could go back four or five years with, with Simeone, and each year the first half of the season is him trying to make Atletico Madrid more of an attacking creative team. By Christmas, he realizes not going to work, and they just go back to the salt mine for the second half and <laughs> climb their way back into the Champions League. This time around, though, some of the players they've picked up, they might be able to keep this going. And uh, with that in mind, I think that it puts a little more pressure on a Real Madrid. I think that they are more capable of, of handling that pressure than I would have thought. Same with Barcelona. But I think Atletico has thrown their gauntlet down. Now you look at some of the other teams that are that are kind of in the mix, and maybe you could look at an Osasuna or an Alaves or a Granada and say, okay, that's just early days. Uh, but what's going on at Sevilla? Return of Monchi. Uh, Lopetegui with a chip on his shoulder. Uh, some of the players that they have brought in. Uh, Fakir uh, going down the other way to Betis. I, I think they could challenge uh, for a European spot here or there, but Athletic Bilbao under Garitano, one of the hottest teams in Europe as they avoided relegation last year and climbed just on the edge of Europe uh, to this year coming out of the gate strong. 
there is some competition, and I would not be surprised if one of those big three has to settle for Europa. Um, it would be a shock to the system, but I think that, again, it's one of the, the issues with La Liga. There is so much talent uh, in Spain. They have the eye for even more talent to bring it in that fits into the system. And even though it's not quite the full deal revenue sharing that is going on in the Premier League, which is a huge part of England's uh, professional success, the, the little steps that have been taken to try and balance things out as much as they can without uh, Real Madrid or Barcelona seeing a drop in the bottom line has for the most part been used wisely by some of these clubs. They don't need to spend that much uh, to get a decent player. And at the other point, it means that they might not need to sell some of their best players, uh, where in the past that was how they financed the next season. So La Liga is bit by bit getting stronger, um, which puts more pressure. We've seen some of those early results with Barcelona and Real Madrid uh, having to to swallow their blushes a bit because lesser teams did not back down. They stood up to them. So at the same point, the, the talent that is on those two teams, and specifically Real Madrid, they're going to be up there challenging at the end. And I guess in some ways it, it depends on, does Atletico fall back to the pack for a Real Madrid or a Barcelona to pounce? Does an Atletico or a Sevilla fall by the wayside as uh, we get towards the marathon stage and they hit the wall in a La Liga season, but it should be one of the more entertaining campaigns in recent years. Oh, I agree completely. And the other name that you can't actually keep out of the uh, the press at the moment is uh, Jose Mourinho. I mean, he's he's absolutely everywhere. He was on television in Portugal uh, yesterday. He was talking about Real Madrid and remembered it as the best experience of his career. He said because of what I learned as a coach. Uh, and he had we we had to prevent Barcelona from crushing us, and that is why the uh, Mastaya Cup final, when he was there, was the most important um, game that he uh, that he played. But as the days go by, if those results stutter, he will become more prominent again. He is enigmatic, and I guess almost like the the Russian enigmas. Um, you're never quite sure of Jose. Once you think you have him pinned down, once you think you have him uh, identified, he morphs into something else. And I'm not just talking about uh, the special one to the happy one, uh, but <laughs> you go back to his Porto days. You go back to his Inter days. You go back to that first stint at Chelsea, and it was a stratospheric rise. And then something happened. And maybe it was Abramovich saying, no thanks, um, but you can't go home again. We saw in his days with, with Real Madrid um, at the midway point, and this might have been the real situation. I think, I think it was mentioned in the, in the Take the Ball documentary. I've, I've heard it mentioned elsewhere. But at the peak of his managerial powers, to come up against not even a once-in-a-lifetime, maybe a once-in-a-sport generation like Barcelona had, to give it your all, do your best, and still not have enough to beat Barcelona, had to crush his ego at times, had to, to make him 
maybe almost pull a Sao Paulo and like camp out next to the, the stadium and just watch video 24 seven. How do I beat this Barcelona? And he could, he, he got a trophy, an odd trophy here or there. Uh, but in some ways, I think that might've been the souring of the special one. And it sounds strange to say maybe for Portugal, when Santos steps aside, uh, maybe for some other national team, I could see where it takes a little bit of the pressure off and uh, you, you don't have to go into the, the daily grind of managerial uh, work. But Could you see him back happier. at Real Madrid, though? No, he seems happier now. He, he did some work for, for the company I work with, with BN Sports over the yes. summer. I've yeah, seen yeah. him on English TV. Uh, he, he actually sat down and had a conversation with Arsene Wenger, and neither one tried to poke each other's eyes. Yeah. Um, it was it, just watching him now, it is special. It's like uh, looking back at some of the YouTube videos of Johan Cruyff talking about things, watching Pep in a German beer hall talk to the fans, uh, yeah, yeah. and even Andy Gray in his prime moving those little discs around on the board. Watching Mourinho's brain at work is phenomenal. He seems happy. He seems content. I, you're probably right. The ego will be there. The money will be there. He probably will come back. He might even have some success. Um, but he seems truly to be the happy one now. Uh, and I'd almost hesitate to wish him a return. And for Real Madrid, if he thought the second go at Chelsea was hard, he has seen nothing yet. Um the, the lasting impact of his time at Real Madrid was splintering that club in half with the way he dealt with Igor Casillas, where you literally had half a stadium whistling and half a stadium cheering. Um, it was, it, it, I'm amazed a riot didn't break out at every game. And in some ways, that was by design. Uh, yeah. That, As Jose Mourinho has said, he studied psychology. Never believe the words that he says try and understand the action that those words provoke. Um, some of that was by design to, to get a little bit of, as Jurgen Klinsmann likes to call it, nastiness um, into what he might have thought was a bunch of prima donnas. And it can work for a limited time, but sooner or later it's just going to eat itself up. And I'm wondering, because uh, half the Real Madrid fans probably wish he was back because they were one of the best teams on earth back at that particular point. Maybe they're content with Zidane considering the three straight Champions Leagues. But another half of the Real Madrid fans um, probably wish him dead practically, at least from a <laughs> soccer perspective, considering what he, the emotional turmoil that they went through during his reign. And that was it. My thanks then to uh, Phil Shane of Being Sport, all of that. And we didn't even have time to touch on his great love of motor vehicles in particular, Saab. For some reason, I'll get that next time we speak. Uh, well, that's it for now. We'll be back after the weekend, looking ahead to Champions League. In the meantime, enjoy the football over the coming weekend, wherever you're watching it. Until next week, then, from me, Tim Cable. Bye-bye. <laughs>